are a little bit loose, a little bit unstrung, and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Putt with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. Uh, how's your week, Pete? Oh, like everyone else's, I reckon. Um, not a bad week, but certainly not a particularly interesting week. We're, we're now six days away from moving to our new digs. So um, nice. lots of packing this week, lots of um, getting organized and also just trying to work out when the hell can we start running workshops and doing fun things again. So that's still not on the cards yet? Well, I don't know. I mean, I've got a Seascapes workshop happening on Friday apparently, but... Um, and Down in my neck of the woods again. Still, well, in my, yeah, here we go. Still yeah, in my basically, again. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, then we, like, you know, 25K rule. So who knows? Maybe not. Yeah, you have to wait for that to be lifted. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Which will so hopefully anyway, be this Thursday night. Hopefully. That would be really handy. Anyway, mm. how about you? How's your week? Um, it's been pretty busy. Uh, we, of course, opened up the gallery last Friday mm. and then – uh, we had uh, a busy weekend. I was open all weekend. I didn't plan to be, but um, we, it was a long weekend, so I figured, look, why not? And uh, given that I was paying, around. Yeah. paying to have a retail space, you actually are best to probably have a door open rather than closed. And uh, we launched an end of financial year sale, which we've not done before. But um, We've got some stock hanging around that we've had for a little while and it's like, well, let's just uh, clear that out, um, find a great new home for it and get in some fresh blood, so to speak. So some some new artwork. Mm. So stuff that nice. isn't necessarily even – I ordered a few pieces yesterday and it's stuff not a, uh, even recent. It's, it can be – there's one that I took back in 2007, one of my favourite pieces called Liquid Gold. That's from the Kimberley that uh, I've long, long loved, but never had printed. So I ordered that on a beautiful uh, metallic finish and uh, that'll be arriving in a couple of weeks. So I can't wait to see that as well as a couple of pieces that we've had in the gallery, but since sold. So we're getting those back in because, um, you know, you find your favorites and the ones that resonate with people. So you're always best to have those on the walls. Now I've got to say, I did visit your, um, your sale. um, Excellent. Yes, online. I was very impressed, but I did notice that I think there was an error on there and I didn't take advantage of the error. Um, <laughs> oh, God, here we go. I was going to. I was going go to. But, you should um, have. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have uh, fulfilled it. I wouldn't have. Uh, yeah. oh, look, I have, I have no doubt, lot. but any reason to give you a one-star review. Um, oh, but on the website, yeah, I looked. I was like, oh, you know, a bit of a scout. As you know, we're moving place. I'm thinking maybe there's something for the walls there. And um, I saw Mother's Beach was listed at like $250. And I it was, was like, listed at $297. Oh, That's correct. Yeah, for a one I and a half meter acrylic. <laughs> almost snapped it up. And I was like, oh, it's a bit expensive. So I didn't, but like. Yeah, $297 is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah, that, yeah. That's like an hour of your removal bill. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, that's the, a lot of money. Yeah. Mate, I've, I've I've moved five times in the past six years. I know how it costs. To <laughs> so that was that was a mistake. That wasn't that wasn't like some that wasn't an Easter egg. We shouldn't be going to, and just refreshing the website in the hopes that these like Easter egg sales pop it's, up. It's, it's been it's been corrected, and and what it was is that I just copied um, the product that was already on the website, but hadn't mm. made the full changes in order for that to reflect the correct 
size and price that we were offering. So that's all. Well, just a, opportunity just a wasted. <laughs> opportunity <laughs> wasted. But anyway, that's all right. Next time, next time, I'll, I'll know that when yeah. when you invite me to your house, and I I might bring you a gift. Oh, fantastic! Well, do, I'll, I'll send you I'll send you a list of the sort of gifts that I really like. <laughs> okay, look, money's no object, Matt. Just go for yeah. it. Just, well, as a famous as a famous landscape photographer, I'd imagine that's the case. So, um. <laughs> no, no, it's actually quite topical. You've brought that up, and probably something that I shouldn't share on the podcast. More like okay. a just a casual conversation between you and I. But I've come to the realization that I have selected. <laughs> You're going to go, yeah, oh. duh, like uh, it's taking me this long to work that out. I've come to the realization that I have chosen a, a profession that I love that I'm passionate about, that I would prefer not to do anything else in my life. I, I love what I do. That probably is most likely not going to make me a lot of money and therefore I've got to be content with just having enough rather than um, perhaps aiming for the stars, let's say that. So your beachfront portsy mansion that you can self-style <laughs> with your own photography is not looking like it's shaping up the way well, 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 you know, I had lofty heights for that perhaps. Yeah. Uh, back in the day but uh these days yeah no that's probably going to have to wait for my uh, afterlife shall we say you know, what what number are you up to in terms of careers because you know they say how many oh. you know it's what average of it used to be seven career changes but i think it's gone up dramatically has it where are we up to with where's tom where are you on that ladder well this is very sort of I think you've done a very clever sort of segue to the topic today, but let me just, Ooh. I might have. I might yeah, have, it's a bit early. but I, yeah. led, I led you into that and it is a bit early. It's five, we, six We haven't in. even discussed your like manky surgery foot that you keep texting. Oh, yes, please. I will give you an update on that. Um, oh, and, and by the way, uh, we had some feedback last week from Cam Blake, of course. He's becoming a bit like Nick Fletcher, who we're mentioning in almost every podcast, which is a bit of a worry. I do only got both their names into that one sentence. But, uh. <laughs> We've got nothing else to talk about. <laughs> nothing interesting Nothing interesting to talk about anyway. But he said, yeah, listen to your podcast. After I got through the 20 minutes of rubbish to begin with, and I corrected him and I said, look, you know, that's standard for our podcast. Clearly he doesn't mm. listen to enough episodes to know that if you don't want the rubbish at the start, just fast forward to about 25-minute mark. But anyway, his mistake, not ours. But... Um, what was I saying? You were seven careers. Um, well, I went to uni. I had that, I that's not a career, a, Tom. That's I say a <laughs> career in concierge, but I did I did work full time in concierge for about six years, even concierge. while I was at uni. But you're gonna have to hold on, hold on, hold on. Concierge, what? you're gonna need to is this like have you just tried to fancy up the name of like Bellboy or something? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the same name. Look, I parked okay. cards for a living, that's what I tell people. Right, and you went to uni for this. I was studying a full-time degree at the same time. Okay. Well, if you call, hold on, if you call an arts degree a full-time <laughs> degree, <laughs> <laughs> I think I had a total of about ten, maybe twelve contact hours a week. It was a busy life, Matt. I yeah, had a lot on. Yeah. Thank you. So, okay, so you went to uni to do concierging car parking. <laughs> all right. I left that. Well, and then I had a career as a sports photographer for three years. Then I jumped into the corporate world for 18 months. Let's not, well, I guess it was career, but 18 months really isn't a career. It was a change though. It was a change. And then, and then my portrait studio for 11 years, uh, my landscape career unofficially started, well, officially started in 1997, but I would say as a professional, it really didn't start till I sold my portrait studio, which was 2014. 
and uh, and then my landscape career. So maybe four, five, is that it? Right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I sort of feel like I feel like within, and maybe this is maybe wrong of me, but like within photography. I mean, a lot of that career outside of parking cars seems like it was photography related. There was a small oh, yeah. corporate stint there, but like, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like the photography part could just be, that's one career. You've changed okay. tact during that career. But so I've, I'm, I'm, I've this changed is good genres. News, I've changed genres. I've been totally. employed as a professional in the photography industry since 1998. And this is good news for you, Tom. Because if we can eliminate four of those changes that you just listed, it means you've got plenty more changes up your sleeve. <laughs> I don't know. Believe me, I've thought about it once or twice. I don't know what I'd do otherwise. I still am really passionate about what I do and I feel there's a lot of challenges ahead for me and I'm enjoying those challenges. It's just I would like a little bit more money in the bank than what I currently have. I'd like mm. a Matt Crumman's bank account. Let's just say that. Not a Tom Park bank account balance. So would I. So would I. <laughs> Here we go. Did you know that Matt Crummins is a famous uh, rock star? Well, maybe not famous, but quite a well-known, at least yeah. social media-wise, quite a... Yeah. Same spelling? Uh, exactly the same spelling, yeah. Matt Crummins, oh, all I get is um, simpler. For, take the jargon out of photography and I'll have a whole lot of fun learning. Blah, 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 blah. You see, I needed to do an incognito search, didn't I? Yeah, because I can not, see you on there. Stop buying Matt products. <laughs> it knows our relationship. It knows we're, you know, brothers from another mother type thing. Um, no, still coming out with this Matt Crummins. Oh, that's why I think it's guy. Matty Crummins he calls Matty. But, yeah, anyway, Matty. it's um, he's quite famous. So, anyway. He's a young um, dude. Is that right? He is a young dude, apparently. A bit emo, I think. So not quite my yeah, style. Yeah, like yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit more squeaky clean than that, to be honest. He, he could be, you know, he could be related, I think, in some weird way. Yeah. Well, I'm sure if you've ever seen the inside of my brain, it's eclectic enough. I could be related to almost anyone. So <laughs> <laughs> let's face it. And what about you career-wise? How many different careers have you had? Oh, I've had lots of different career moves. Wow, you um, have too. You've been employed I in have. the sort of videography industry for a while there. Yeah. And, well, this is it because you couldn't – I mean, I'm a bit the same as you in that like you could say they've all got a very common theme. They're not being completely random changes. I have to stop you there. You're not, you're not anything like me. We're, we're poles apart. Go on. This is probably true as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the um, – no, I did – I actually worked um, – where did I start out? I started out in um, stage uh, production stuff, so doing like event AV and audio and lighting and, you know, building stage yes, like lighting yep. rigs and stuff like oh, that for right. events and concerts yeah, yeah. and things. Yep. Um, and uh, then I that company then turned into a, a, a company. I won't, call, I won't say the name of it, but um, it uh, doesn't exist anymore. They uh, did in like you know like when you see screens behind bars at clubs and pubs and stuff and they've got like their own in-house channel right so i was in one of the pioneering companies to introduce that to australia where we were doing um we were building our own content for pubs and clubs and um putting those screens in behind the bars advertising right i then i moved across i did i actually did the same sort of thing as you i went to uni for a little while and realized i signed up to the wrong degree yes yes we've um, talked about this already classic silly so Classic. Um, yeah, um, and then I ended up 
like after all or through all of this, I actually ended up, um, I moved to Thailand, did a bit of time there as an underwater photographer and came back and worked in advertising again and TV production, which then turned into corporate video stuff, which turned into photography again and then kind of full cycle. Um, and I worked for the bank as well in a part there and then, yeah, Olympus and then kind of went out on my own. So I've actually kind of exhausted all my options. That's the <laughs> You're now. done. I'm That's stuck it. where I am, yeah. Your, your nine lives <laughs> have been used up, Maddie. Exactly, exactly. Right. Um, I've well and truly uh, you're nice done to my me. dash. If you're nice to me, I'll, I might give you one of mine one day. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Actually, but the one that you're giving me is professional landscape photographer. I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. No, Isn't I, that funny how, how glamorous it sounds? Um, I mean, I think a lot of photography, I mean, anything in the arts, I think, is generally like this. But they say, it sounds very, very glamorous. Oh. Um, on on surface, um, someone actually asked me the other day about becoming a photographer, prof- professional photographer. Um, and you know, you I'm always very you, happy to be opinionated. Them, you smacked them down, and you said, "What in the hell are you thinking?" Well, you know where it came from. They wanted to be into sports photography, and I said, "Oh yeah, you can do that. Like that is a career." Yes. And um, and they said, "Oh, you know, like what? Where would I start?" Sort of thing. And I said, "Oh well." Really, I think most people in that space start off um, doing like the gigs for run, doing like the fun runs and stuff. Like there's those, um, what are they called? Like the agencies that kind of hire photographers to do all the marathons and yeah. rides and fun yeah, runs and stuff. Right. And you kind of get an event photographer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then maybe that'll turn into something else and you'll find an opportunity somewhere. But you don't just sort of go one day, look, I'm going to go and start shooting the AFL for, you know, oh, <laughs> for God, Channel no. 9 or something. Like no. It just doesn't happen. Um, no. And uh, yeah, but the reality of like they were sort of, felt like they could just maybe step straight into shooting like professional soccer. Um, well, that's that not that, the case. Yeah, that would be the dream job. But the thing <laughs> is that um, those days have well, – that ship has well, well and truly sailed because even back in the day where the newspapers, for example, used to hire, you know, half a dozen sports photographers to cover – AFL and golf and anything else that was happening and and there was a lot of sport going on back then, not like the COVID times. Uh, These days, I think they've laid off almost everybody. Mm. There's very few staff photographers left at those big newspapers, for example, because they just hire that stuff out. They just contract it out. They just go, they've got all of those photographers who used to work for them plus a whole lot of others on their list and they go, all right, we need so-and-so, we need somebody to shoot the AFL this week. Who are we going to get? All right, you know, ring up that bloke, ring up that bloke. They've got, you know, 20 people they can ring up. And so they've cut their costs enormously. They don't have to pay a full-time wage. They just say, well, we'll pay you 300 bucks, come along for the night, you can shoot the event for us, you know. So unfortunately those days have gone, but um, that doesn't doesn't mean to say that there's not a career out there in sports photography. It's just like most other photographic professions, you're going to be working for yourself. Absolutely. And quite often you'll be doing things that you don't necessarily want to be doing. Yeah. But that's, that's life, isn't it? Now, you said before this segued into our topic for today. Well, well, it did because, you know, you're talking about careers in photography and how, or how many careers, different careers we've had up until now. And, and the topic for today I proposed was who has been most influential in your career as a photographer? So who, who's, who's been your, wouldn't, wouldn't even say. Uh, Guiding star. Say, yeah, guide, mentors, um, not necessarily even. Who's, who's inspired you? That, that, was, that was the word I was looking for. Who's inspired you along the way? Um, have you got anyone in particular who comes to mind? 
I do have many, but um, I, you do because you're researched in this stuff. Like unlike <laughs> most other things that you say on this podcast, this is an area that you actually have hey, some experience in. Hey, Marie and I are just we're, we're so tired at the moment. I love that you we're just call Marie. Every day. Marie Kondo, is that like the? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like do the, I even do I even need to say a full name? Yeah. Come on, come on, <laughs> come on. We're tired. Um, well, this is the thing because we have wildly different approaches to our photography um, and the way that we shoot or what we shoot as well. So this is kind of interesting because I'm, I think I've said this before, but I deliberately avoid um, trying. I, tr- I deliberately try to avoid having influencers in photography because oh, I find you that- have mentioned this before. So this is just a dud topic. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening today. That's uh, the world's shortest. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have mentioned no. that but the thing is like with influencers though so i, I did oh, i did actually think about here we it go. So what I, you're an influencer or you're influenced by influencers <laughs> we're not talking about my my influencer account no <laughs> um, no but i don't nick, have like nick fletcher and cam blake isn't it they're, 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 they're your guiding stars they're your well, you know how the, so okay so you know when you did your your studio um your your uh dog portrait studio yes um, like in that particular case, would you have said that you were influenced by someone or were you just kind of like, this is a pretty good idea. I'll run with this. Uh, it, on the, on the, on the, on the outside, it looks like it, to me, it was just like, we just went, Hey, that's a good idea. Let's do that. But subconsciously there were probably a few things along the way that sort of hit the mark and, and guided us that way, but I can't. <laughs> pinpoint it specifically what it was but I, I know there are a few things that sort of when i look back go oh, yeah actually that probably pushed me that way for some strange reason but was that like a do you think it was influenced by a passion for it or was it influenced because like commercially no it was commercial and it was one particular instance i can go into the story now if you want but no there was one particular instance that we sort of went hey that wouldn't be a good that wouldn't be a bad idea so let's do it See, I think that that's where my influences come from a bit because, like, I'm obviously – I really love my photography. <coughs> I um, I obviously really enjoy my wildlife stuff. I really enjoy underwater photography especially. Mm. Um, in terms of the things I photograph on land, my inspiration hasn't come from photographers, I don't think. I think my inspiration quite often has come from, um, I guess, either collective trends that have been happening – Mm. or from people who are not photographers and they kind of inspire me to try and photograph that thing better because like they're actually showing me something I'm really interested in. Yeah, right. And I kind of go like, oh, wow, you know, if only I could be there and be doing that, I think I could really pull off the photography part of this. You guys have come up with this amazing idea. And one of them, there's a a mob that I used to watch quite religiously last year. Um, It's a YouTube channel called Trip in a Van and it's a young family that travel around Australia. They live in their caravan and they're very adventurous, but they're kind of like family-friendly adventurous. They're not like, you know, let's do epic, stupid stuff. They're like, they basically travel around to beautiful sites, beautiful places. He's very into his photography video stuff, very good production value of his videos. But it's from a straight-up photography perspective, he's good, but it's not, you know, like he, he's not specifically out there shooting photos. He's kind of more like we're on this adventure and I take photos to show you what's going on along the way. Yeah, yeah. And it. so I'm really inspired when I look at the places he goes to or the things that he does. I don't think his photography inspires me, but certainly I think that the the mindset that they go with, the the things that they do, the places they go, that I'm inspired by them yeah. um, from that adventure side of it. Yeah. But there is, yeah. there is someone else who I've met, um, I would say, who has been an actual photography inspiration. Um, he's, I can't actually pronounce his last name because I'm not that cultured, but it is Amos Nausham. 
N-A-C-H-O-U-M. And I met this bloke at um, when I was presenting in Hong Kong for an underwater photography expo thing. And I sat to actually had at the, the presenter's dinner, I sat next to him and didn't really know who he was. I never heard of him before. Mm. And he runs this company called Big Animal Expeditions mm. um, or Big Animals. Um, and basically they go around the world photographing the most amazing or, or like quite literally not like, oh, I think it's amazing, but literally the most amazing of the natural world. So, you know, they went, um, they did like, what was it? It It's like a skidoo um, uh, adventure trip out into the Arctic to photograph pumas or something. Not pumas, what were they? Um, They do the polar bears up there. Polar bears, in in the far north, yep. They do um, a lot of Amazon trips where they, they go out doing wildlife photography. They're very adventurous. And he's actually just had a documentary made about his life. Wow. Um, so he does like, you know, like he, he like photographs anacondas underwater in the Amazon. Wow. You know, that yeah, sort right. of stuff. Crazy dude. And I his actually, photography is quite raw. I actually know this guy um, through the BBC Wildlife Photography of the Year competition. I shouldn't call it that. Go. It's Natural History Museum. Um, that shot he's got on his homepage of his website amosphotography.com for those who are playing along at home um of the uh leopard was it the crab eating seal and the penguin yes yeah 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 Le- i'm pretty sure it's a leopard seal from the story that he told it's, it's yeah. quite yeah quite infamous so um, it's insane i've seen and the that. story behind it is crazy too right okay like so, um Jesus Christ, imagine being in the water capturing that because he's, he's probably got like a bloody 12 mil lens on or something ridiculous to get that photo. So, well, this is it. And if you look him up on YouTube as well, he's got there's a lot of story behind the shot things with him as well. But he's, right. he, I find like his wildlife stuff, when I look at it, it's not visually the most stunning, but the right. situations that he's in and the things he's actually photographing yeah. is absolutely yeah. stunning. And it's because right. he's not one of those, you know, at least from what I can see and, and make sense of it, he he's not the. The, he's not a photoshopper he's a no this is the natural world as it stands yeah. a bit bit more old school and um yeah absolutely <laughs> i'm not looking up at his expeditions because of course i'm always like you drawing inspiration for not necessarily other people who run landscape photography workshops i'm looking at what other people do to run any type of safari slash expedition etc go and photograph striped marlin go and a blue whale mission in Timor Leste or something, Lest, Timor Lest, um, Timor Lest, right whales, um, anacondas and jaguars in Brazil, uh, crocodiles in Botswana, polar bears in Slavbad, uh, snow leopards in Mongolia, and swim with the polar bears at a private location in Canada. Or you can go and photograph pumas in Chile. Like this dude does it, you know. <laughs> Um, so yeah, and he's just, he's such a nice guy and he, he's actually really good at mentoring people. The, the dinner table I was sitting at with him, there was a two or three people on that table who had been mentored by him and they worked with him and just wouldn't shut up about how amazing uh, his work is. So he's, he's been a bit of an inspiration in that I, I look at it and kind of, I often get a bit disconnected going, oh, you know what? The wild's gone. Like the wild doesn't exist anymore. Um, and then I look at his stuff. I'm like, oh no, Matt, you just haven't looked hard enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you, your landscape stuff that must have like because landscape photographers they I reckon they inspire each other more than what other genres do. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. It's just from my own personal point of view. Um, there's been several people along the way that have inspired me in my photography. Uh, Ken Duncan, first and foremost. 
because as I was alluding to before, I did work in concierge and uh, somebody came into the uh, city hotel that I was working at and uh, handed me one of his brochures or flyers for his new gallery that opened in South Bank back in, I think, 1997. And, uh, and I took a look and went, oh, yeah, I'll pop down and take a look. And that's where I really decided that I wanted to be a commercial landscape photographer in a sense that I could see that uh, you could take photographs and sell them. Because to me, landscape photography was, up until then as a career, was probably not even possible. I just thought it to be a hobby where, um, you know, you went out and took some nice photos on a weekend, but you really had your nine to five Monday to Friday day job. And so that really inspired me to want to follow that as a career. So he's cost me a hell of a lot of money. And, and I've told him that already. <laughs> I've told him that he's cost me a shitload of money chasing, going all around uh, Australia and the world, uh, chasing all these photographs, um, so to speak. Uh, Peter Lick is another guy. You know, there's, those two guys between Ken and Peter influenced me in my career as a panoramic landscape photographer. Again, Peter Lick's um, gallery in Cairns back in the late 90s when I walked into that was just mind-blowing, just beautiful big gallery, black walls, timber flooring, furniture, incredibly impressive large format landscape photographs. That, and, and this remember, this is the days before social media as well. So when you're walking into somebody's gallery like Ken or Peter's, you're seeing stuff for the first time. And you're yeah. Like, oh my God, where is that? Oh, wow, I'd love to go there and photograph. So it was incredibly inspiring. Um, Peter Dombrowski's work from the um, Tassie has has always, I think, you're not a landscape photographer in Australia unless you've heard or at least followed his work very closely. You know what I mean? Um, he's he was I consider him the sort of grandfather of landscape photography. Unfortunately, um, died. You know, far too young. He was only 51 years old when he died um, of a heart attack photographing in the Tassie wilderness. So like a lot of those people who are incredibly talented at what they do, singers, songwriters, artists, etc., who die young, I think we're always in awe of their work and left dying, left wondering what could have been. You know, if they were still around today, what other work would they have produced? And so mm. they almost there's almost this heightened level of... Um, notoriety or, or celebrity status that that, that somebody um, befittingly has um, when they pass away so young. And, uh, you know, if, if he was still around today, um, you know, he'd be in his 80s, but there would be so much inspiration, I think, um, or knowledge that we would draw on from his his um, his experience. And then there's more recently, there's, there's, there's more of my contemporaries, I guess you'd say, who inspire me, particularly in the aerial photography field. Um, being um, the likes of like uh, Scott McCook over in WA, Tony Hewitt also in WA, um, Paul Holland down in in Tassie, um, and these guys get around and they shoot amazing work. Christian Fletcher has long um, been um, a good friend of mine, but also somebody who's inspired me incredibly and has gone has 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 done that has has gone down that path that I'm following, where shooting landscape photography opened his own gallery and had it down there in Dunsborough for many, many years. So there's people that I sort of draw on and I, I, I don't necessarily stick with mine. I tend to sort of rotate them and, and and look at Scott's work, look at Tony's work, look at Paul's work, go back to Peter Dombrowski's work, have a look at Ken's book every now and again, drag that out, Peter Leake's, um early books, things like that, and, uh, and continue to sort of reference their work and draw inspiration from that. And, and for me, just um, personally, I... 
nothing um nothing i enjoy more than on a cold sunday afternoon here in melbourne in winter to sit down you know with one of those books um draw it out from my bookcase sit on the floor of the lounge and um and just thumb through that and that's my that's my creative you know um how shall we put it that that fills my my creative cup that's where i i don't think about my own business but i'm thinking more about me and how i can improve as a as an artist and and i draw inspiration from from doing stuff like that particularly on a sunday afternoon with a maybe a a quiet beverage in my hand as well that's uh, so this is this really kind of interests me not the beverage in the hand part that obviously (laughs) that would always interest you hold on of course um however my my question with this right because i'm i'm not the sort of person to sit down and thumb through someone's book and kind of draw inspiration um and it's not because I don't. I think it's silly. It's not not because I don't like the idea of it. It's just not something I've really done. There's so much I can still teach you, Matt. Oh, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. <laughs> At your age, honestly, the amount of experience. This is it. I remember, um, I'm so much older than you remember. It's true. It's true. Whatever. Um, but my my real question is, and this is, I think, this is. So just for, let's timestamp this. At 29 minutes um, into this podcast, people <laughs> might learn something. Here we go. My question is that. Um, it's going to sound funny for someone who probably does it, but for someone who doesn't do what you're doing, sitting down and reading books and getting inspiration, I want to know how do you translate doing that activity of sitting down and looking at someone else's work or looking at their books or whatever it might be, Instagram feed, doesn't matter. Yeah. How do you translate that information into real, not real uh, inspirations are on where like practical inspiration like you know for instance if you you know i can imagine if as an example like take i like always like cooking for example like i might read a recipe and go i've never thought to add that ingredient into my whatever yeah like in photography do you look at it and do you kind of say look at ken duncan's book again and kind of go oh that's right he normally gets like lower to the ground or he normally does this or this type of comp like what about their work do you actually try and take away to help improve your own like how do you deconstruct that and actually make it into something useful, not just like, oh, they're really bloody good. That makes me sad. Yeah, it's it's really interesting you bring you're that up. You're not your microphone. Now you're not talking to your microphone. It really right? is interesting. Hello. Yes, <laughs> Tom, focus. Get back there. Um, it's, it's interesting. It brings up this dilemma for me, which is this. So to, to answer your question plain and simply, it is sort of taking that photographic snapshot of what you're seeing and then referencing that maybe weeks or months in a, in advance where you go, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm up here in the high country and I remember seeing that photograph in Ken's book and he had that beautiful shot of the snow gums. And I know they're different snow gums, but I might go for a similar composition here which um, could really work in this situation. So it could be as simple as that. Just my photographic memory is able to reference that shot that I saw in his book, for example. Right. It's not a. It's not a comp- copying. It's it's a drawing inspiration from his work, for example. Um, so that's a that's a simple answer. The the more complex sort of conversation to have around that, and and we've talked about this uh, already in a podcast is how much of that do you do versus running the risk of then almost copying that person's work. Mm-hmm when you then come to take a similar photograph. Say you're you're down the 12 apostles and you then say to yourself, all right, I'm here for the first time. I can't wait to get this shot of the 12 apostles. 
and then you remember that shot you saw in Ken's book and you go, well, well, actually, yeah, he was standing here, so I'll stand here as well and that way I'll get a similar shot and hopefully it'll be good, as, just as good as his. And yet you're really not using your own creativity or putting your own style into the shot in order to get something that's uniquely yours as opposed to just copying somebody else's work so that's what i struggle with at the moment um in that i love to draw inspiration i love seeing good photography um but by the same token i with my photographic memory and it's not brilliant i'm just saying that i can remember photographic memory is basically the definition of brilliant memory you know that yeah (laughs) this is it this is it that's okay (laughs) so i've got to bring your mind i've got to bring your mind okay and so then you you're looking at you know you go to a place and and i i do confess i had this situation happen to me exactly that where i i looked at ken's work happens to be ken duncan's work a place called the labyrinth in tassie i was there back in 2009, finishing off a book on the Cradle Mountain Lake Sinclair National Park that I published. So, yeah, this was April 2008, I think. And I went to this spot, and it's not easy to get to, and I was there for sunset, and I think I scoured every shoreline, every single piece of that lake to look for a different perspective to them what Ken already had. And I went back and I probably put my tripod legs in the same holes that he had his in. And, and I kind of... I felt cheap for it, but then it uniquely was the best spot to stand in order to get this photo. So it's unf- it can happen, and whether that's right or wrong, good or bad, whatever else it is, um, you know, who cares? But um, it, 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 you run that risk of, of, I don't know, I felt cheap. I just wish I hadn't seen his shot in the first place. It would have been all right if it had been coincidence and I'd been like, I got back later and gone, hey, he bloody stole my shot. Oh, no, Ken took his, you know, 20 years before me and I just happened to be in the same spot as he did. But um, when you sort of know as you're taking the photograph, yeah, I felt a bit cheap. Sorry. And I think that's a really hard, you know, again, looking, you know, we're talking about how do you actually practically transform this thumbing through a book into an improvement in your own work. I find that's where the tremendously difficult part is because, you know, yes, you can always learn techniques from people and, yes, you can always, like, uh, I guess take away some of those techniques. But when you're specifically looking at a photo and because every shot that you take is so unique in terms of, you know, you've got different lighting conditions, you've got different weather conditions, you've got, you know, um, every photo is almost different content in the shot. Um it's very hard, I find, sometimes to deconstruct someone else's shot and actually take something away from it and go, oh, that's what really worked. I think, if anything, the, the, the things that inspire me, and I'm never sure how to quite translate it, though, is there are some people who photograph colour palettes that I just go, that is exactly what I love. Right. You know, like I think right. that there's sometimes people get the colour right and I just go, like, I wish I could replicate that colour. Um, but, you know... I do, I do find it very difficult to look at people's work and then not just kind of walk away with that idea and like almost replicate it mm. because it is so like there's so many variables in photography. It's sort of very hard to, to, to take just a little bit of that shot. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Mm. Yeah. Mm. When you say replicating color, are you talking about it in a post-production point of view or is that actually uh, just shooting it? You know, well, I kind of, I'm going to say it's post-production. Um, but I also do think it, it comes down to, um, you know, the way that a photo is edited. I think that, you know, there is a very big difference between someone who can edit a photo and someone who knows 
how to just create something in, incredible. Like when you mentioned before your inspirations as Peter Lick, you know, I jumped onto his website because, you know, it's nice to have that front of mind. And like mm. the first shot in his um, on his website has got that, I think it's that um, uh, street or that road in, in Ireland that's got, you know, they, they film yeah. all of the things and it's, you know, all the trees kind yeah. of come over. And it's a beautiful shot. I mean, it's to me a little bit generic in the sense that I, I think, probably the most photographed street on the planet. Um, but the color palette that he's got in there and the one thing I really love about it is it doesn't look like the darks, are, there's no crushed darks really. It, it feels like there's this, he's got the tones right. I don't know. There's something about it that you go, it is a color um, palette that has been produced in post-production, that's for sure, or a tone, tonal palette that's done in post-production. But it's a very hard balance between kind of going, oh, just recover the shadows <laughs> versus just getting that look right. Right. Does that sort of make sense? It does. It does. Yeah. He's that. Give look as, as a side note, that's um, his latest collection that he's just released. I signed up for his emails, and uh, he's been over in Ireland shooting. I'm not sure how long ago, but um, that's um, only just changed on his um, web page. I don't look at his work all that often anymore. I've fallen out of love with it. Um, I used to love his work a whole lot more than I do now, but um, he's. As a side note, been incredibly successful what he's been able to do, which is absolutely. Amazing. But even if I go on your website, the other one, the other example I'll give you is um, Coleman's Cop number twelve. Coleman's Cop, yep. Coleman's Cop number twelve. Yep. The yep. Um, like the color palette and the tones in that again, it's so tempting to just like pull the shadows right out and pull the highlights right down. Um, but it's it's got this really nice balance, sort of like muted tones. There's an, but there's enough detail in the shadows that you really kind of you're intrigued to look at it. And I think mm. that that's the sort of thing where I look at it and go, oh, geez, there are some shots that I've taken that I wish I'd probably replicated that sort of less contrasty look almost um, yeah, right. more than than what I had in the past. But It's interesting you say that because I actually think that that more contrast, we've got so used these days to trying to sort of bring all the detail out in the shadows and, mm. and recover the highlights that, I, I like the intrigue of having those dark areas in photographs where you're one, left wondering, right, what is in through that, that doorway? What What is in that next room? Definitely. But I think if you think about like that photo in particular, and for those who, who, um, who are obviously listening to this without being able to see what on our screen, it is in Tom's um, end of financial year sales. So you've another couple of weeks to pick this one up. But and unfortunately, it is more than $290. Um, <laughs> it's the- cheap. It's 150 centimetres wide. It's a framed raw oak print, and it's going for fifteen hundred bucks. Bloody hell! It cost me about that to bloody frame the thing. I, well, I should be putting the price up. Well, after we've spoken about it, maybe maybe this is the perfect like publicity it needed. Maybe you should put the price up. But <laughs> in this shot, if you if you darkened the inside of that room, as an example, um, for those who I'm just to give you a descript- description of the shot. So it's a it's it's that sand filled house um is it where is, oh, it's Namibia, a series is it? of houses actually matt there's about oh, 50 oh, or 60 of them and um they're on the far west coast of namibia in africa mm. yeah and it's an old band famous oh it is very much so very you know anyone, anyone who goes to photograph landscapes uh in africa would want to go to this spot because um it's very unique in a sense that how many places can you go in the world and photograph um, that many rooms or that many buildings where there's sand engulfing each of the the houses or each of the rooms. So, but this has got beautiful light coming through um, the windows, casting a whole bunch of like really interesting shadows and shades. Obviously, the glass is a different sort of um, uh, um, 
Opaque, opacities. Yeah. Yeah. Opacity, thank you. Yes. Um, but the inside, so it's got an outside of the room where the photo is shot looking inside a room. And if you would darken that off to be you know, that more mysterious darkness, well, firstly, you'd lose the fact that there's sand in there, which is kind of part of the point. Yeah. Um, but the second thing I think is if you put that on a wall, that is a very heavy photo now. You know, like yeah, if you put that on a wall, so house, be, you could you could brighten it by light, the lighting as as well, of course. Absolutely, but yeah. and that's I think like as you say, I think a lot of us are used to watching or looking at photos on our phones and iPads and iMacs and stuff, which have these wicked screens, and because they're backlit, contrast looks amazing. But when it comes to printing, I feel like sometimes if you replicate what you see in those, you know, in, in like on a screen to a print. Um, I find that sometimes it's just, it's too harsh for a room, you know, like it's, you want, I, in my opinion, I want artwork to look really beautiful, but I also want it to look a little bit subtle. Like yeah. it adds and complements the room. It's just, it's not like, you know, say like balls out on the wall, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it, it doesn't need to be that. And I think, yeah, that's a, it's a look that I think it's actually quite hard to achieve in post criticizing my work in other words. No, complimenting. I says hard to achieve. Oh, oh, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Actually, my... having looked at those photographs, I, I've had a new appreciation for them. Thank you for doing that because I'm now looking at them in a different light, so to speak, pardon the pun. They are two of my favourite images, hence why I've had them printed and framed. I, I'm going to take them off the website right now. I'm taking them <laughs> off. I'm hanging them in my house. I've got room. <laughs> But I don't often hang my own stuff because I know it so well in my head and having looked yeah. at it so many times, I actually prefer to hang other photographers' work. Um, if if uh, my house has a few of my own, but mostly other artists and not nearly as, as much art as I would like, to be honest, we'd have a very small house. But uh, all in time, when I've got that Portsea mansion, I'll be able to have uh, all the artwork I want hanging on the walls. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit the same though. I think I've got probably four big prints of my own in our house. Yeah. But then I've got lots of other work. Which is left over from a previous exhibition. Uh, some of it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't actually, I don't, I'm not good enough to do exhibitions, but I do have um, prints that I've done where I'm like, no, that photo has real meaning to me and I also like the picture. Um, right, yeah. But, but certainly I think, you know, I'm, I agree with you on the whole. I think I want someone else's work because it kind of lets you make up a story. It's almost like reading a book, you mm, know. Yeah. Like I think if you're reading someone else's book, um, yeah. you, you kind of you're like learning something new when you look at it or read it. I think you know if you've written the book, you're not going to read your own book because you're like, well, I already know what's in there. Well, know you know, so, some people. I, I, it's interesting you say that. Just says Tom thumbing through his book on the floor, getting inspiration from himself. That's it. That's it. <laughs> um, no, I could think of nothing more boring than looking through my own books, and and hence I've. I've done that. I've published 14 books and only the most recent one being my um, Morning to Peninsula summer edition book is one that I've actually sat down and looked through cover to cover uh, because the photos were taken relatively recently to that book being printed. And I really hadn't seen them all that much in order to not appreciate them. That's a double negative. But um, I then very much enjoyed going through that um, for the first time cover to cover because I could look at it with almost fresh eyes and eyes of somebody else's work, not my own. Um, But uh, having said that, it's interesting because when we talk to our buyers here in the gallery about choosing a p- artwork, we do say you, we, we would love you to have some sort of emotional connection to the photograph. Now, whether that be 
they were inspired by the subject matter, the colours, the mood, the feel, whatever you want to say, or it's a simple case of, well, you know, we used to holiday down at Sorrento, so that Sorrento back beach is like mm. the beach we used to spend so much time on, so it brings up so many memories. It's it's what happens after that where you walk into somebody's home, like as I'll no doubt be doing very shortly, Matt, with your beautiful new home, I'd be walking in, I'd be going, oh, that's a great piece. You know, who did that? And, and mm. what, where is that taken? They're the sort of two questions that most people visitors to our home will ask about the artwork oh that's an interesting piece who did that and like what's it of or where's it taken and that way it gives you as the owner of that art piece the opportunity to then um, enjoy that experience or that process of going through that story of all oh, right well it's taken by uh, tom putt you've no doubt heard of him he's a world famous landscape photographer and i actually know him as a good mate of mine look his numbers in my phone i could even call him right now if you wanted and, uh, and you can say, um, you know, more about the piece and how it was taken, et cetera, et cetera, which would be incredibly yeah. gratifying, I'm sure, for you. It, I think it is. And we, 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 <laughs> I think we, it we, is. We, what do you mean? You haven't got any of mine hanging on your walls yet. I don't know. Well, I, look, I nearly snapped one up for 290 bucks the other day, but you, you, um, obviously missed that opportunity. Quick enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but we, spoke, we spoke about this last week as well in the uh, – if you haven't listened to last week's podcast, I th- uh, we spoke about, um, you know, doing – or how do you select – work for an exhibition and um, mm. that that covered that idea of having a story with it so people could, you know, really connect with the artwork. So. And we did also talk about the fact that um, when you choose photographs for your exhibition, make sure you absolutely love the photographs because they may well end up on your own walls. Will likely end Not up on your necessarily own. somebody else's, which is okay. Just, which yeah. is okay. Yeah. Just have really yeah. small exhibitions if you have a small house. Which was um, very valuable, by the way. I and mean, I know that we've discussed it already. I've had several people follow me up from listening to that podcast and wanting more advice on that. So it's nice that we can add a little bit of value to these um, little rumblings, random rumblings we have everywhere. Especially when it's so unexpected, you know? <laughs> this is it. It's just, you know, it warms, warms the heart. Warms the heart. Warms yeah. the heart. Um, now that said, though, we do, and you've—I know you saw—you posted this on our Facebook group earlier. Um, yeah. And I think I don't think you put enough desperation into it to be. Honest. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, well, you can always go in and edit that post if you want, mate. I don't think I can. I don't think I'm an admin in our group. But anyway, ah, really, we uh, are looking nice for new topics. Thank you, an admin. Thank you. I should say this again. We are looking for topics. As you guys know, we like—I'll say—you know, just. Uh, I guess um, talking rubbish, I think, is the term that Cam used. Um, yeah, very <laughs> but we also do like to be able to talk about things that do help people. And to be honest, sometimes the things that we take for granted are things that are going to help you guys the most. So if you've got ideas or you've got topics you'd like us to talk about, keep in mind, you know, they've got to be interesting topics. Not and not Tom's the rubbish we talk about each week. <laughs> no, but like Tom's pretty fussy about the sort of topics that we talk about on oh, this podcast. Come on, um, doesn't like talking about technical things. Often doesn't like talking about product stuff. So these these need to be more. You know, just imagine you're talking to Tom about art. You know, um, yeah. it's so a deeper, it's a deeper, more sophisticated conversation. It is. You know? It is. Imagine <laughs> you you are asking this question. We don't want you to have, you know, a, a prima juice box in your hand imagine you've got like a nice scotch on the rocks and you're asking a classy philosophical deep artsy question hold on hold on how old is this this scotch it's got to be at least you know 15 year old scotch well okay there we go that that (laughs) gives you an idea of the sort of questions that we are after so if you've got those questions 
you need to be sitting there in your uh, in your bathrobe, darling, with your That's slippers it. on. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. In your uh, Chesterfield chair, leather chair. <laughs> no, that's not me at all. I'm sorry if I take it to that level. Matt, I'm more than happy for you to cho- choose the conversations, the topics each week. You know that. No, I don't. I, but I'm out of topics. This is the thing after. <laughs> You're done. done. 30, 30 <laughs> topics. We've talked for 30 hours now nearly um, about yeah. photography. And to be honest, I just think we've said everything there is to know. Oh, um, really? We've educated our, our <laughs> audience that much. Maybe we should have like um, guest presenters, like people that we could interview, you know? We, we could, could have do like, Nick Fletcher on and we could just bag him for a whole 45 minutes. I was going to say, we could. this could be like that celebrity would be a, roast. That would be a get... whole lot of fun. <laughs> Why didn't we think of this sooner? All right, Nick, expect a phone call maybe. Ooh, game on. All right, mate. Well, um, thanks very much for the catch-up. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You've been listening to yet another amazing episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Cheers. Bye. Bye.